Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you and your family are staying healthy and are doing well. We are at the Daniels house trying to stay healthy and do well. So far, so good. Knock on wood. There we go. And actually, my son will be knocking as well in the background. Hopefully, you won't be able to hear him because he is currently trying to excavate some gems out of some hard clay. You know, those like National Geographic like toys where they embed rocks and then your child has to like dig it out. Yeah, that's what's going on over here. Something to get him off of the computer and doing something with his hands. So I want to talk today, and it's about that. Like, how do we prepare our kids for the next school year when really we don't even know what's going to be happening? The unknown can be really hard for kids with anxiety or OCD. The lack of routine, the constant change, all of those issues can bring about a lot of stress and anxiety not only for our kids, but actually for us as well. So I wanted to do this episode to just talk about some ways that we can mitigate some of that stress. We can't mitigate all of it, obviously, because there's only so much we can do when the reality is a stressful situation. But there are some things that I just want to highlight. So before I do that, though, I want to mention that it's great if you subscribe to the podcast because I come out with new episodes every Tuesday and you don't want to miss that. And also, go on over to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash anxious toddler 78. I'll leave a link in the show notes and check out my videos that are made for your kids and teens directly. So a lot of people aren't over there. They're over here in my podcast. I have like two separate audiences and I'm trying to merge them. So check out my videos. Those are super helpful for kids to watch directly. It's everything that I tell kids in my practice and I just tell it on YouTube. <laughs> so it was a cheaper way to, to get advice from me. Okay, let's dive into how to kind of soften the blow for the unknown. So it's going to be different depending on where you're listening to this. There's people in England, there's people in Australia and Canada, and there's people all over the country. And it's a very uh, geographical issue because there are some places where things are looking better and there's not as much of an issue. And there's other places where they're pretty much on lockdown still. So I think the important thing initially to do is try to keep your kids updated. I wouldn't recommend telling them something as a fact when you're not sure and things are ever changing. So even if it's presented to you as a fact, I mean, that's happened to us in Arizona already, where we were given three options as far as what school was going to look like. And then quickly one option was taken away completely. And so if I had presented that to my kids as a fact that this is what's going to happen, it wouldn't have been reality. So we can soften some of the expectation by letting our kids know that this is a moving thing. This is an ever-changing thing. And even though that's anxiety producing in itself, it helps kids not kind of get stuck on the expectation of this is what my school day is going to look like. And then it doesn't. So letting them know, like people don't know, like we're not sure because we don't control that and other people make those decisions for us. And this is what it could look like. These are some options and keep your kids updated. When we keep them updated, 
and not the nitty gritty of all the politics around it and all the, the fighting that's happening. That's not helpful for our kids. And regardless of our opinions, it's really helpful for us to try to somewhat cocoon our kids from the bickering that's going on in society and just provide the facts and keeping them updated with this is what it's looking like right now, but it can change. And what that is doing is it's kind of getting their brain to process this moving target as they are preparing to go to school. And so kids need to like kind of sit on things. I know I do. Maybe you do as well. I need to like kind of ruminate on things. I need to kind of hold it for a little while and imagine what that's going to look like. And then I start to adapt to that. And so when we give them updates, we're giving them opportunities to adapt to that. So keeping kids updated can be a very helpful thing. And you don't have to update them on a daily basis. That would be too much. But maybe once a week as your school district is updating you, you update your child or once a month if they can't handle that many updates. You know your child the best. I'm giving you some broad stroke suggestions. The other thing I would say is, you know, have them connect with friends if they haven't already so they don't lose those friendships. And so maintaining those friendship connections can be really important during this time and during this transition. So if they haven't connected with friends and they had good friends prior to leaving school, you want to start those friendships back up again. So if your child has been kind of MIA and has just kind of not wanted to talk to their friends, this might be a good time to start reconnecting them. Now, my kids were supposed to go to a totally different school next year because the population in my area got too big. And so they actually created a separate school. So they were planning on going to a new school. They were planning on kind of starting fresh. My son doesn't have a lot of friends or any friends actually. And my daughter was really transitioning and didn't really have any friends either. They're my kids. It's like social anxiety and social dysfunction is like rampant in my family or actually just in me. But so they don't really have any friends to reconnect with right now. They're starting fresh. So in a weird way, it's kind of a weird good thing because they're not necessarily mourning the loss of a friend group right now, like so many other kids are. So connect your kids with their friends. <laughs> you can do that and, and get them feeling like they are, they are connected again. The other thing that you can do is have some routines that are going on in your life right now. And if you don't have any, create them so that there's some consistency when the school year starts. So like kids with anxiety and OCD do so well with routine. And the more routine we can kind of use to shape their day as the school year gets closer, the better for them, regardless of whether they're going to school in person or they're going to go to school online. So I need to do this. This is good advice for me (laughs) because what looked like our routine in the start of the summer has completely like melted and does not exist anymore. We started off strong, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, the online schooling towards the end of the school year was starting off pretty strong. And then even into the summer, we started off pretty strong with like a broad routine. And now it's like just a free for all. (laughs) I mean, I'm impressed with myself when I get them to bed at their quasi usual bedtime, which has actually gotten much later in the summer than their school year bedtime. And I'm pretty impressed with myself when they eat three meals a day. (laughs) That's where we're at. So I need to do this too. I need to create some sort of routine in the morning and at night. So that might be something that can help your family too, is to start to incorporate a morning and evening routine because that won't be impacted regardless of school. 
It might look a little different depending on whether they have to go to school or not. Their wake up time might be different or their afternoon time might be different. But if you can anchor an activity in the morning and at night, that can help. And that might just be something as simple as a wake up time and a bedtime or a regular breakfast time and a regular wind down bedtime. We have, I think, two more weeks. And so definitely by, because I'm feeling very lazy as I'm talking about this, <laughs> this podcast is actually for me. I'm talking to myself. But I think that probably like four or five days before their school starts, I'm going to start doing that. I'm just not feeling it right now. I'm just, I'm kind of tired. And I think that's kind of where a lot of us are at, to be honest, right? A lot of us are trying to work from home. Like a lot of life changes have happened for all of us. And I don't know about you, but I'm just feeling more fatigue lately. I'm just feeling like I don't have a lot of energy and motivation and that's not good. And especially when my kids are going to be in online schools at the start of the school year, nobody's been given a choice. That's just the way it's going to be. And my kids' school district as of now, which can change, they are going to be online until October. So all the way up until fall break, that's just school district wide. So no options there. Although I have decided, we'll just talk about me now. I have decided that my kids just can't handle the uncertainty. And I, with my own anxiety, need predictability. And so my school district has an online program. They have an online academy. I didn't even know that until this all happened. And so I just decided to enroll them in the online academy. And then when I deem things look stable and things look back to normal and they're not going to be a ping pong ball, then I can put them back into the brick and mortar classroom that they are zoned for. But I just felt like I don't want them to be taught by teachers that are being thrown out there and having to do online work when that's not what they're trained for. I feel for those teachers. And it was so clunky at the end of the last school year. I just felt like it's better to go with a program that has already been up and established and the teachers are trained in that and they have the tech side of things already handled. So my kids are going to be switching to an online program. They have never done online schooling. So it's going to be very different for them. And so I can create routines in the morning and at night that I know are going to complement what's going to be happening in our routine. And it can help me transition because I know that I'm going to have to adapt my work. I'm going to have to adapt my habits and my work and work in between helping them. And so there's going to be some big changes all around, not just for my family, but for everybody's family, I imagine. Like we're all going to be having to deal with a lot of change. So create a routine that you can stick with that can move into the fall. My next point or my next thing I want to talk to you about is if you do know that your kids are going to be starting at home, whether it's permanent or not, you might want to start working on preparing an environment for them. So one thing that we didn't do at the end of last school year is I didn't really formally create a workspace for my kids. And a lot of us were doing kind of ad hoc, you know, like taping things together, like metaphorically, like, let's just make this work. And let's just hope that this can float. And what wound up happening is my daughter wound up doing most of her schoolwork on my desk in my office while I was trying to work. And I didn't like that because she's one of those kids where if she can talk out loud and just get me to do her work, that would be more preferable for her. And she's more likely to have meltdowns if I'm near her to say, I can't do it, or I don't want to do it, or it's stupid. And so giving her that extra ear 
and that extra audience was not helpful. She is very productive when she's by herself. And when I say go work on it, and then if you need help, come and get me, that works better for her. So her working in my office was not a good idea. And then my son developed kind of a dysfunctional thing where he was working in our loft and he took the computer and he kind of like was on the floor with it. And that's where he wanted to do his work. And that really wasn't a great workspace. It was like on a coffee table. So we decided this year to get them prepped and to get them expecting a brand new school year. We went out and bought desks for them. Apparently that's actually very hard to find right now. We went to Ikea, which was not a fun experience, even though I love Ikea because you had to wait in this, like, it was like going to Disneyland. You had to like wait in this huge line that was definitely equivalent to a Disney world ride. And it was like 111 degrees out. This was on Sunday. They were, I don't know why they were just like, I guess, inchworming people in there. But I told my husband, I was like, let's just go to the warehouse. Let's not even go to the showroom because I bet you the desks are going to be sold out. And he was like, no, let's go. I want to see what they look like first. He wants to see how bad it's going to be to build. (laughs) And I was like, I really feel like we should go to the warehouse. And we were there when Ikea opened. We went to the warehouse first because he listened to me and they were all gone. And the, like the really cheap desks were left. And so we got a few of those and some chairs and it was not a fun experience. It was very hot. But my point is create an environment for your kids before school starts. If you know, they're going to be starting online. Now, if you're not going to be doing online for the rest of the year, you may not want to buy a desk and that's okay, but create a workspace. That's going to be a designated workspace for your child. When they visually see that, like that's, that's preparing them. So we did that. I put the desk in my daughter's room as far away from my office as possible. (laughs) She's upstairs in her room and her seeing her desk and her chair. And then next weekend we'll get like pencils and paint. Like, I don't know if we're even going to get like an office supply list or a school supply list, but I'll set her up, you know, we'll put paper and pencils and everything up there so that she can visually start processing that school is coming soon. So even though she's not going to school and we're not doing the usual things, like we're probably not buying lunch boxes and we're not buying new clothes necessarily, she can start preparing. So creating your child's environment ahead of time, a few weeks ahead of time even, can really help the brain process. These are like indicators. So we normally start buying backpacks and things a few weeks before school starts, or maybe even a month before. Oh, probably not that far out. So, but they're visual indicators. So I'll put them like by the shoes, by the front door, so they can see school's coming. And this really helps the transition and it softens the blow from free time to school time. So create, create the environment that can help. And even if your kids are going to go back to school, if you're lucky enough to live in a place that's doing well, and they're going to go back to school, you want to start preparing them for what the environment will look like at school. As much as you can find out about what it's going to look like at school can be helpful. The more we can prepare our kids for what to expect visually, the better they're going to do. If you have a child who has been pretty cocooned and then they go to school, the brick and mortar school, and everybody's wearing masks and all the desks are far apart and there's no recess and they're having to wash their hands in between certain things, they're going to be overwhelmed. And if you haven't talked to them about coronavirus or what's been happening in the world and they've been pretty protected, which some kids have, they're going to be even more overwhelmed and scary. So you have to have multiple conversations. You want to make sure you're talking to them about the coronavirus on some level. 
And you also want to be talking to them about what to expect visually. So when you get information, and I say when, because I know a lot of people just aren't getting the information or guidance from the school districts because the school districts are not getting guidance from the people they need to get guidance from. And so it's kind of a mess, but you can probably guess what some things might be. So you might want to tell your kids ahead of time. This is what it might look like. And if your child hasn't been out too much and they're going to be going to school, it would be very helpful to probably take them out to the grocery store or take them out somewhere where there aren't a lot of people so they can start to get used to what social distancing looks like because it is jarring. Think back to March for most of you, what that felt like when you went to the store and there were like stickers on the floor that marked six feet between you and there's plexiglass between you and the cash register person. It can be very alarming. And there are kids out there who haven't, who haven't really experienced that because it's really like, what's the point of taking your kids to those things? So if that is you, and your child is going to be going back to a school, you might want to start doing some of those desensitizations. The other thing is masks in and of themselves can be very overwhelming. If you have a child who has panic issues or has issues around worrying that they can't breathe, or even like, you know, has shortness of breath when they're anxious, or even a fear of throwing up, anything over your face can feel super overwhelming. I'm highly claustrophobic. And it took me a long time to get used to a mask. I felt very suffocated. That's been one of my anxiety themes anyway, from like the get-go. So to have something like over my nose and mouth, I felt like somebody was trying to choke me. That wasn't a fun feeling. So don't wait until the first day of school when you have to send your child back, or if you send your child back for them to put on a mask. It's something good to practice anyway right now. My son had a very hard time with the mask and we went through many different renditions of various masks to find one that didn't feel overwhelming for him. And we finally found one, believe it or not, at Fry's grocery store and they're very thin. So I don't know about their protection, but they're very soft and they are not overwhelming. And so those are the ones that he's been preferring. But like if you Google breathable masks or masks that are easy to breathe in, a whole bunch of stuff popped up because I looked right before I recorded this because I wanted to see what are the choices out there. You can go on Etsy. We had ordered quite a few that actually have like a little wire on the nose and give you more space in that area. But there are masks now. I mean, it's a whole market, right? That are being geared towards making you not feel like you're suffocating. Somebody in the AT parenting community actually had a fantastic idea and she suggested that you put a smell in the mask that your child likes. And so Um, mint can be a very calming thing or lavender. You want to make sure your child's not allergic to these things, but putting a smell like a very tiny one, because I I can imagine that getting a little overwhelming, but a little drop of a smell can probably bring some comfort and relief to some kids. And so I've used oils for like emetophobia and sometimes like the smell of orange can help reduce stress and anxiety. It's different for each person, but that actually was a fantastic idea for the mask. So there's a little tip there that I stole from Donna in the AT parenting community. They have good advice over there. And the last thing I want to talk about is our own attitudes about what's happening. I mean, our attitudes are contagious and that can be rough. I mean, I know I haven't always been in the best mood. You know, everybody's living on top of each other. The whole summer we've been living on top of each other and 
not really going anywhere or getting out of the house too much. I'm in Arizona, so it's very hot here. But our attitudes are contagious and how we view the school year and the school can also be contagious. I had a very, very bad attitude about the end of this last school year. And that wasn't good. (laughs) This is like throw Natasha under the bus kind of podcast. It wasn't good. I was very negative about how things were being done. And I was very annoyed. And I thought the assignments were trivial and stupid. And they were just killing time. And I voiced my opinion loudly. And especially to my son. And that, that was not helpful because he was picking up on my negativity and my attitude. And it was contagious. So don't do what I just did. (laughs) My hope is that next school year, I'm going to come in with a more positive attitude. I've adjusted. This isn't new anymore. We've all kind of adapted the new normal, whether we want to or not. And like any crisis or trauma that you live in for a long period of time, you start to, you start to acclimate to it. Like we can, we can acclimate to pretty much anything if you have to tolerate it for a long period of time, which is kind of where we're at right now. And so watch your attitude towards school and watch what you say around your kids. And I'm saying this to me equally as, as much as I'm saying it to you, that your kids will pick up your attitude. And, you know, my kids eventually didn't really care about school. My daughter who's 16 was like, I don't have to do this. I'm going to get an A anyway. And her attitude was bad, even though I was positive for her, but try to have an upbeat attitude, try to point out the positives in it. Let them know it's not your choice because a lot of times kids will take out their anger on us and they'll think like we're the ones developing this. So it's important to say, this is not my choice, right? This is the deal. That's what I said to my kids. They were not happy about being enrolled in online school. My son was ecstatic actually, because he could, he could live in one room for the rest of his life and be like totally happy. But my daughter is more social. And so she was very unhappy about it. She wanted, she wanted to meet new friends this school year and she did not like the idea of being kind of homeschooled, even though it's an online school. And, and I told her, this isn't my choice. Like whether I enrolled you in the online Academy or you were enrolled in your regular school, you'd be doing online schooling until the end of October anyway. So this isn't my choice, but we can make the best of it. Let's think about the positives in this. And for you, this is what I was telling them. You don't have to wake up at a certain time and go to school, right? Cause they're in online schooling, so they can do it at a different kind of like a, a different pace. And, you know, they're not gonna have to clock in the way they would if they were doing online school for their brick and mortar school. And so that's my situation. That will be different than your situation, but highlight what small silver linings there are going on in your world and let your child know about them. And you can say, I'm not happy about this either. You know, I have to work and I have to work from home or I have to work here and it's going to be a struggle for me too. But this is the one good thing that's happening and, and highlight that for them, whatever it may be, because we have to model some positivity even during these really, really rough times. So I hope it goes well for you guys. We will be starting some semblance of school in the next few weeks. I think we start back the first week of August. So my silver lining is I don't have to drive. And that's actually very exciting because I normally have to drive my 16 year old. 30 minutes to school, 30 minutes back twice. So that's two hours right there. And then picking up my little ones and dropping them off and then picking them up. So I'm not going to be in the car. And I love that because time is like my number one stressor. And I just got rid of that. Granted, they're going to be like right up in my business (laughs) all day long, but I like the fact that I don't have to go pick anyone up. So 
That's my silver lining. I hope you can find one as well. And I hope that you are enjoying the podcast in general. I hope you're finding some good tips and suggestions and support for your child with anxiety or OCD. I hope you check out my YouTube channel. And somebody was saying to me the other day, they didn't realize I had an Instagram account. I do. And there's different stuff over there. So you can follow me on Instagram as well at AT Parenting Survival. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast. And if you can leave a review, that's greatly appreciated. Let's other parents know there's some value in my show. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 